Um, is it okay to move this? All right. Oh, thank you. Um, just want to say, uh, man, it, it's it's just such a blessing to like be with you guys and to um, just stand here with you. And uh, a lot of you guys might not know who I am, but I've been coming to this church for a little while. And uh, uh, Pastor Benjamin and Sonny asked me to share today, and I'm sharing out of obedience. Because if I had my way, I'd, I'd actually be sitting where you guys are sitting. And, you know, they come every week and they, they give us something good. And, and not only is it good, but it, it's, it's just like, it just hits the spot. You know what I mean? And so it, it's out of obedience. You know, and, and my wife knows I stayed up all late last night like, should I share about this? Or should I share about that? And I woke up this morning, I'm changing everything. You know, as I'm driving in the car, babe, what about this? And she's just like, just, just peace. Just, just be at peace. You know, and, 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 and as I'm up here even right now, I'm like, Lord, I just want to share the words of this house. And so let's just pray. Father, I just want to come and I want to share the words that my father would share right now. That, that my spiritual mother, that the words that they would share, that they would speak to the house right now. Because there's a specific word that we need for right now. God, that's the word I want to share. As a son of this house, I just want to, I just want to speak the same voice. I want to hear the same voice that they hear and speak the same voice that they speak. So, Father, we just come right now with open hearts, Lord, wanting to hear from you in expectation. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, as we were worshiping, um, man, so usually I just come for one service. You know, the, this one. But I said I got to speak. I had to come at 2, so I had to come at 9. And, and, and let me tell you, the 9 o'clock is bumping. If you guys have never been to the 9 o'clock, it's a special kind of person that wakes up extra early on Sunday morning to get here to worship the Lord. But let me tell you, when you come here at 11 o'clock, there's already an energy in this room. I don't know if you guys felt Like you walk in, and there's already like a buzz. There's already like, there's already like the spirit. That's because the people were here at 9 o'clock worshiping and praising God. And so, I mean, it, it's almost, um, I almost feel bad to them, but I already know I'm going to preach a lot better now than I did at 9 o'clock. And, and I think it was okay at 9, but I, I'm just telling after worshiping and being in the presence for two hours or three hours, there, it's, just, it's just at another level. And as we were worshiping, I really felt God just speaking one thing. And it was like, tell my people that I've seen their faithfulness and to continue in their faithfulness. And, I, and, I, and so even as, as Pastor Sonny, you were sharing a word on that, I, I turned to my wife. I said, yes, I'm hearing the voice that she's hearing. I got so excited. And I felt the Lord saying, be faithful. That he sees your faithfulness, but not to get discouraged. He sees your faithfulness, but to continue and remain being faithful. You know, there's something called excellence that I've really been hearing a lot about as, as I've been coming to this. It's like excellence, excellence, excellence. Now, I'm... I don't know if you guys could tell, but I'm, I'm Asian American, you know, and so I know some people confuse me, you know, actually when I was a kid, uh, like seven or six years old, I, I was in a, a first or second grade and, and this kid comes up to me, he's like, are you Chinese? It's like, no. He's like, are you Japanese? No. And he thinks, and he's like, are you Mexican? <laughs> you know, I was like, like, yeah, cause you know, back then they didn't know about us Koreans, you know, but, but you know, it's, I, I'm Korean, I'm Korean American and there's this. All right, you and me, you and me. And there's this show on TV that I don't watch too often, um, but I, I happen to catch a little bit of it. It's a show called Glee. And um, in this show, it, it was an episode with uh, the character who, the dancer guy, he's, he's Asian-American. I have no idea what kind of Asian he is, but he's Asian-American. And um, he gets an A-. minus, And the people go, oh, you got an Asian F. <laughs> an A- minus is an Asian F. I didn't know that. But I do know, growing up, on my report card day, it was like a day where, oh, man, I dreaded that day. 
You know, back in the day when I went to elementary and, and we had it printed out on computer, it, it was done in such a way where I could take my pencil and I was good. I could change like a C minus to a B plus. Like I, I just, I just had the skills. But I remember one day I came with a B plus and I showed my dad and my dad looked at the B plus and he went, hmm, you know, if you try just a little bit harder, you can get a better grade. And so I tried a little bit harder. I, brought, I said, Dad, I got an A minus. He said, hmm. If you just try a little bit harder, you can get an A. You know, so, so I never did bring that A. But the point is this. I remember when, when he would tell me that, I would feel like, but what if this B plus was the best that I can do? And I remember feeling like, I'm not good enough. I can't earn. I can't earn it because I'm not good enough. And here's the thing. When we talk about excellence... There's this thing that mimics as excellence. There's this thing that parades and masquerades as a spirit of excellence, but it's the complete opposite. It's called perfectionism. See, perfectionism will keep you from excellence. Because this is what perfectionism says. Perfectionism says this, don't you dare make a mistake. So if you're in school, take that easy class for an elective where you know you're going to get the A. Don't take that class that you actually are interested in that might challenge you, but you might get a B. No, take that easy class where you know you could sleep through it and get an A. See, perfectionism will stop you from a spirit of excellence. See, but perfectionism says this. You will only be, you will only be accepted based on how you perform. See, perfectionism says you are only accepted by how you perform. But excellence says this. There's no performance. You are loved as you are. See, when you're in an intimate relationship, you are primed to excel. Yeah. See, when you're, when you're in a relationship, see, I just recently got married. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, no one cares about marriage anymore, right? Like, oh, everyone, you got married. I got married, right? No, but it's only been five weeks. Come on. I, I just got married. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And it's still good. It's still going good. And let me tell you, in, in, in marriage... Oh, don't read into that, okay? Don't read into that. But uh, in, in only five weeks of marriage, um, we become so comfortable around each other. Yeah. You know? And I don't need, it's just, and, and let me, there's no performance. Yeah. There, was, there were so many things before we got married where I was like, oh, this and this. And this. But as we've been married, there's been such intimacy, such openness, such freedom. It's like, but here's the thing. In intimacy, I'm free, I'm comfortable to be who I am. But I'm inspired to be the best of who I am. See, that's real intimacy. If you're just comfortable to be who you are and you don't shower anymore and you're just walking around. You know, see, see, that's not true intimacy. That's not true intimacy. True intimacy is this. True intimacy is when you're comfortable to be who you are, but you're inspired to be the best of who you are. See, true intimacy inspires excellence. You can't help but excel. And, you know, I realize there are stages to development towards excellence. And the first stage is what they call an unconscious incompetent. It's like a, it, um, how many of you guys have ever seen American Idol? Now, that show, I love watching that show. You know, and you got people there where, man, they were born to sing. They walk up there, they got such swag, like, they know they're going to impress everyone and blow everyone. And they grab that mic and they just sing and you're like, wow. There are other people that get up there and they just start to sing and you're like, Ow, right? It's just, it's just like, it's like, I wish someone would, you know, you, you begin to feel for them because you're like, they must not have a single honest friend around them to stop them from getting up there. 
But here's the thing. They, they're done. Like, it, it, they sound like a cat is being strangled. And after they're done, they're smiling. You know, and you're like, don't you know? Did you hear what I heard? And, and, and when they get the feedback, Simon says, that was horrible. They're like, what? Are you kidding? Wait, let me sing another one. <laughs> and it's like, wait, let me. See, they're, they're unconscious incompetent. See, and, and, and we all start off there somewhere. We don't know how bad we are until someone tells us. And what happens is that there has, there's a level of self-awareness. And see, this happens best so when there's, when there's a loving relationship. Because people can tell you how bad you are but not care about you. And what that will do is it will stop you from ever trying to pursue excellence. But see, when you're in an intimate relationship and there's honesty. See, and when there's honesty, what? A level of self-awareness begins to develop. And you start to move towards the next stage. And you're no longer an, an unconscious incompetent. Guess what you are now? Now you're a conscious incompetent, right? You're still incompetent. You're still bad, but now you know it, right? And now, now you're no longer trying to try out for these things where, where maybe you need another year of development before you can succeed there, right? You're a little more realistic. And so you're, now you're a conscious, right, incompetent. But this is a stage where you start to imitate, right? You find someone that's doing what you want to do. See, if you want to be a singer... Who are the people that you idolize? Like, find the best of the best. If you want to start a business, start reading books about like Steve Jobs, the people that, that are the biggest. See, whatever you want to do, find someone in that field who is dominating that field, who's excellent in that field. Read everything that they wrote. Watch every video that they ever made. Study their life. If you can actually have a relationship with them, get right up to them. If it's Pastor Benjamin, Pastor, say this. See, this is what I found. If you call them up and you're like, hey, you know, I'm going through a lot of things and I need some counseling, they will, they, they have pastoral hearts and they will try to get to you. But, you know, sometimes they get overwhelmed with a lot of stuff but you say hey you know what pastor benjamin pastor sunny i just really want to take you guys out for a nice barbecue right and you present it like that guess what they're going to hang out with you a lot sooner that's what i found that's what i found right you move to the top of the queue you just get bumped up and so so surround yourself see these people who are excellent they ain't got time to waste show them that you mean business Find creative ways to get right up to them. And not every person that you want to imitate will you be able to actually have a conversation with. But that can't, that, that, there's so, many, so much information and resources out there for you to study the lives of people. But you imitate. I remember uh, back in the days, um, I actually helped, used to help lead praise, you know, believe it or not. And um, so, so what I did was there, there, was this, there was this guy. He was the man. Actually, his name was Matt Redman. Yeah, his name was Matt Redman. And um, he, he wrote this song called Heart of Worship. And, and some, maybe some of you guys know it, you know, and, and uh, he's from England, you know, and, and I don't know why, but those people, um, they always sound really smart when they speak, right? And, and they also sound a lot funnier when they speak, too. And you say the same thing in, in American English, and it just doesn't sound the same. But uh, uh, so, so I remember I, I, I was there, like, even at a conference when he was speaking, and I remember um, I signed up for the, the, um, the session he was going to be leading. I remember sitting there, and then this short guy gets up on stage, starts moving some stuff around. I was like, man, I, hope, I wish this guy would hurry up and uh, moving, uh, finish moving the stuff so Matt Redman could come out. Um, and then he grabbed the mic and started speaking. It was Matt Redman. And he's like this tall. I had no idea. And, and, and he's sharing and he's speaking and I'm so moved and I'm so stirred. This guy became my hero. And that song, Heart of Worship, even the story how it came about where their church began to explode through music. And then one day the pastor just went up and he just sat the band down and said, you know what? All we're doing is making a bunch of noise. And so until we really have some worship, we're not going to even sing anymore. In fact, I'm not going to even preach a sermon. We're just going to meet. Everyone come here at 10 o'clock. And, and, and you bring some praise. 
And so what happened is that as they began to meet, someone began to share a verse that God spoke to them. Or someone began to stand up and sing a song. Or someone would stand up and begin to exhort the congregation. And it was no longer just everyone looking at one person, but the body brought some worship and praise into the house. And it was out of this kind of environment where Matt Redman wrote this song called Heart of Worship. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I just simply come longing just to give something that is worth, something that is worth, that will bless your heart. See, now we understand where that song came from. I love that song. So I studied it. I studied it. And when it finally came time for me to lead, I remember walking up and down on Sunday, chord of D. And I began to sing, when the music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply come. Yes, Lord, Father, we come and we lift our hands to you and we prize you, Father, in the hands of God. You know, and I, I would begin to sing like that. And it's like, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. You know, it's like, it's like, I'll give you more than a song, more than a shilling, more than a penny. And I began to exhort the congregation, lift your hands to the skies above, praise the Father in heaven. And like, I remember people were not really following me. You know, they, they were laughing. And you know, and, and, and I remember getting off that stage feeling so discouraged but you know what i was pursuing the path of excellence that's what i was doing see but but here's something that happens though here's something that happens you got to stop imitating people and then something begins to happen See, you begin to find your own voice i no longer sit i no longer sing like matt redmond or try to sound like him you know but here's something that happens like when when i sing there's certain people that will sometimes be like oh you listen to this person and that person. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? You listen to your favorite bands, and you can kind of trace the lineage. It's like, oh, these were their influences. These people definitely influenced their sound. See, the next stage is this. You go from being a conscious incompetent to, an uncon- to a, a conscious competent. See, that's what this means. Now you've done the hard work. You don't just imitate people anymore, but you've, started, you've gained some experience now. You've you've put in the hard time, the blood, sweat, and tears. You've pursued, you've taken the classes, you've put in the hours. And now what begins to arise within you is what? This this sound that's you, but it's not just you. It's a mixture. So people listen to you. Like there are people who listen to me speak and they go, oh, you grew up under this pastor. You know, there's some of us, like whenever I hear Seve up here, I'm like, like I hear hear like Benjamin and Sonny at times just kind of jump out and then pop back in, right? It's like I hear, I hear the voice of, 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 of the Robinsons when you're speaking. You know, and, and we're a mixture. No, no one here came into the world alone. When you speak, there, there's, there's a chorus behind you that, 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 that's speaking with you. You speak through the, the generations speak through your voice. There's a mixture that happens. But it's, we're a conscious competent. That we have to make it happen. But then there's something that happens where if we do that faithfully long enough, we reach another stage. And you're the unconscious competent. But you're not even aware of it. You're not even aware that you... Like, I've seen Pastor Benjamin. He has not even prepared. And he just begins to give a teaching. And I'm like, where are your notes, man? You know, he just begins to give a teaching. And it's just, like, profound. And not only is it profound, it's orderly. It's like, it's almost as if someone wrote out his notes and he's just going off the top of his, you're, you're just like unconscious. You're just, and it's what people who in sports, they say, you're in the zone. You're not even conscious anymore. You're not thinking, keep the elbow straight, bend your knees, flick the, it's, it's just all, all you're just, you're just flowing. How many of you guys have ever been in that place where like, whether it's in your school or your work or your sports or whatever it is, and you're just like, you're in the zone. You're like, you're just in the flow. 
Like nothing can stop you, and you're not even trying to do it. You're not, you're not, even, you're not thinking too much. You're just doing it. That's the unconscious competent, and that's the level of excellence, and that's when we begin to create. That's when we start to become the sound where other, it influences the sound of others. And I think that's where God wants to take us. See, not just to the place where we're copying the sound. Oh, you made a movie? Now we're going to take everything that you did, and we're going to make a Christian movie. And we're going to call it Fireproof. Right? You know, nothing against Fireproof. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. It's good. Okay, Pastor Sonny says it's good, so we all got to go watch it now. Okay? It's not like, oh, you guys, you guys have this kind of music? Well, guess what? We're going to take that kind of sound, and now we're going to put it up on the stage, and we're going to change the lyrics to praise God. No, see, God wants to take us to a level where we just don't imitate, but we start to create. Where we start to release a new sound, and we become the sound that influences the future sounds to come. That we are the voice that speaks, and then every other voice that follows, now they hear the echoes of us speaking through those generations. God wants to take us to the place of excellence, but it starts with faithfulness. It starts with faithfulness. You know, when I look throughout the Bible, I always see, I see David. And then God says to Samuel one day, Saul has failed. I've chosen a new king. Go to the house, go to the house of, oh, I can't believe I just blanked on his name, Eli. It's not, no, Jesse, Jesse. Okay, all right. Go to the house of Jesse, scratch that. Go to the house of Jesse, and one of his sons is the future king of Israel. So Jesse lines up all of his sons. And then, and then the first son, I think it's Eliab. Yes? Maybe no. I don't know. Okay, double check. That's your homework. He stands up there. See, this is on the spot. This is just freestyle right now. Right? He just, stand, he just stands up there, and he stands before the sun, and the sun looks like a king. I mean, he's tall. You know, Saul was tall. Did you know that? It says that Saul was head and shoulders above any other man. So if you're going to replace him, right, you can't downgrade. You can't get some little short guy. You've got to get someone just so he says he was tall, he was good looking, and he looked like a king. Right. Did you know that they said if Abraham Lincoln ran for office today, he probably would not get, elect, get elected because he doesn't look presidential? Wow. See, when people vote for president, you've got to look the part, don't you? So when, when Samuel looks at the first son, he says, you look like a king. Yeah. And he's ready to pour that oil, and the Spirit of God says, no. So he says, okay. He moves over to the next son. He says, man, sure, this, this guy looks like a king too. He's about to pour the oil. No. And he keeps going down. And I think there was eight or nine sons. Now, imagine if you're like the eighth son, right? The youngest son. So you're sitting there. And you're like, yeah, he's probably the king. Oh, no, no. He's going to probably be king. No, no. And then you're like, wait, wait, I'm going to have a chance. Right? And it's getting down to you. Down to you. And then it's just one more guy than you. And, and, and Samuel says, no, the Lord says you are not the one. I'd have been like, I'm king. Like, I did it. <laughs> you all thought I was just number eight. But I'm the king. And then what happens is this. Samuel goes over that son and says, the Lord says it's not you either. Can you imagine being that? You know what I'm me? You're standing there thinking, I don't got a shot. I'm just going to stand here. And one by one, your brothers are rejected until it gets to you. you must, he must have been so excited. I feel bad for that guy. He must have been so excited. Like, the Lord has chosen me. I'm going to be king. And then Samuel says, I can't believe this, but it's not you. And he turns to Jesse and says, do you have any other sons? Because the Lord specifically told me it's one of your sons. And Jesse goes, you know what? I do have one more son, but, but not David. See, Jesse, the prophet of God, said, bring all of your sons. But Jesse was like, but it's not going to be David. It's not going to be David. Jesse says, go grab David. Where was David? He was watching the sheep. And I'm sure you've heard this because whoever, whoever was sent to watch the sheep was like the low-level person, you know? It was the person that's like on the bottom of the totem pole, the person that you don't even want around the house. Send them out with the sheep. 
Jesse. So David comes back from the sheep, and what? Samuel looks at him, and God says, he's the one I've chosen. Man. You know what happened out there in the wilderness when David was with these sheep? Man, that's where he wrote some of his psalms. That's where he perfected. See, David didn't start off an amazing uh, musician. His only audience was the sheep. You know, some of the greatest preachers, their audience was the mirror and maybe a couple stuffed animals. You know, David's first uh, concert was for the sheep. And so, but he would perfect his craft while he was out there. He became a skilled musician. And you know what ha- else happened out there? There's one time where, remember, we all know the story of Goliath, right? And Saul is supposed to fight Goliath because he's the giant of Israel. But he cowers when he sees the giant of the Philistines. This little boy, David, says, I'll fight him. And he says, well, how do you know you can fight Goliath? He says, well, when I used to watch over the sheep that no one cared about, I defeated a bear and I defeated a lion. See, we've got to be faithful with that little, little flock, that little sheep. When you sing and no one listens, see, you're perfecting your craft. See, what happened was this. One day Saul needed a musician because he was being tormented by demons, and someone had heard David singing. Maybe they had even heard him while they were passing along the road. And they said, I know a young man that when he sings, it's anointed. It's anointed. See, you've got to be faithful with what you've been given. And we hear that over and over and again. But we've got to be faithful. So David is faithful, and he's faithful, and he rises, and every time something comes, he's faithful again and again. And I think the story of Joseph. Man, see, we know that story too, right? Joseph, he's, an, uh, again, uh, a one brother out of many. And what happens is this, that what, he has a dream that he's going to rise to the top. The sun and the moon and the stars are going to bow to him. Basically, his mother, his father, all his brothers are going to bow to him and honor him. And, you know, he's, he's still a young kid, so he's going around bragging about all this. His brothers don't like him. They beat him up, sell him as, off to a slave trader. And he, and he gets sold off. And, and, but what does he do? Wherever he goes, he rises because he has a spirit of excellence within him. He rises. So he goes, as a, he goes as a slave. And what he does is this. I'm a slave. Well, that might be my job description, but that's not my identity. He says, that's not who I am. So I'm not going to do this job like a slave. I'm not going to do the job of a slave as if I'm a slave. He says, I'm going to do the job of a slave as a favored son. And so what he does is he does excellent. I remember one of my first jobs I got. I, I was working in a movie theater, and we had to mail out all these promotional pamphlets. I think there were like free tickets to come. And so I remember I, it, there was like a thousand and so I remember I'm stamping and licking all these envelopes, and then my manager comes by, and he picks one up, and he goes, what's this? I was like, um, that's an envelope. And, you know, and I know that's not the right answer, though, you know? And so I'm like, that's an envelope? And he says, no, no. He says, and he put it down, but he was very gentle. He said, Joe, everything we do here is excellent. You see how you place this stamp? You place it crooked. And he says, what this says is that we don't care. He says, you line it up with the edge, and you make it right. And I had to go back and make all of those stamps right. But that man, he had a spirit of excellence. It's just a stamp. Just put it on. It's, just, it's still going to get mailed. No one's going to care about it. No one's going to care unless you have a spirit of excellence. You know what the scriptures say? If you have a spirit of excellence, it says you will not stand before obscure men. It says you will stand before kings. See, God wants to take us and make us stand before kings, but we've got to be faithful to be excellent. And so what happens? Joseph gets promoted because, like, he's out there, like, doing stuff that's not in his job description. You know what I'm saying? Like, Pharaoh says, like, clean the windows. And then he cleans the windows and the floors. And then Pharaoh's like, what? 
And then, and then, then he gets out and he gets the other slaves and says, hey, let's, let's work on building this fence. And Pharaoh sees this, and pretty soon Joseph is in charge of everything in the house. But what happens? He gets accused of a whole bunch of stuff. He gets sent into prison. It's almost like a demotion. But when you're faithful, wherever you go, and you have a spirit of excellence, you will rise. It doesn't matter. You lose your job. The, the economy... The economy it, external situations can change it doesn't matter whatever situation you put in you start to rise you start to rise you start to rise that's a spirit of excellence but it's a spirit of faithfulness we've got to be faithful with the little that we've been trusted you know i actually want to share a little bit about three young men who had a spirit of excellence and they were taken captive from their homeland stripped away Shipped off to a far off place, retrained, given new names, tried to be uh, a new identity. And their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were, they were the, the, the brothers of Daniel, and we all know about Daniel. And it says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that, that God had given them such special favor. I mean, these guys were like guys that, they're like Ivy Leaguers. These are the future world changers. Um, there's like another level that these guys are on. And what happens is this, that they begin to rise and rise and rise because they have a spirit of excellence. But one day, Nebuchadnezzar comes and he builds this gold statue and he declares a law that everyone needs to bow down and worship this gold statue. And so he says, when the harps play, when the tambourines play, when the music's play, everyone will bow down and worship the statue that's made in the image of myself. But there are people there that are jealous of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they know that these men are men of honor who love the Lord and will not bow their knee. And I want to share with you. It's in Daniel chapter 3. It says this. Uh, Daniel chapter 3 verse 8. It says, At this time some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, Zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all the kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what will God be able to rescue from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into a blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. But even if you do not, O king, we want you to know that we will not worship the image of gold or the idols that you have set up. But even if he does not. See, I believe God wants us to rule. You know, there are so many people that have... Who, okay, let's just be honest. Who here has ever prayed to win the lottery? Just, just raise your hand. Okay? You know, one time I, was at, I prayed to win the lottery. I think it was like $54 million, And I was convinced I was going to win. How many of you guys ever else been convinced? I just, I just knew it. I walked into 7-Eleven and I was just like, I was like, he's like, how many tickets? I was like, just one, just one. 
I bought one ticket, and I knew that this was the winning ticket, right? And up until the, up until the time that I actually found the channel when they gave out the number, up until the time they announced it, I actually thought I was going to win. And, of course, I didn't win, right? But here's the thing. I saw this show about uh, millionaires and the lottery winners, and it's, it's, it's amazing. Almost, and I don't know the percentage, and I've heard people say 100%, and I don't think it's 100%, but the percentage is way in the 90s of everyone who has won the lottery eventually goes bankrupt. Yeah. You're like, how is that possible? How can you go bankrupt with $10 million, with $50 million? There are people who have won $100 million, and they've gone bankrupt. There was one guy who won the lottery twice, and he went bankrupt. And I know everyone in here is thinking right now, nah, not me. If I, see, see, you're thinking that. See, you're thinking that. You're thinking right now, no, 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 no. If I won a $10 million lottery, see, what I'm going to do is, okay, God, I'm going to give you a million dollars because that's tithe, and then I'll put a million away in the bank, then a million from my mom and dad, and then seven million from me, right? It's, no. See, that's the deception of money. See, we think we can control this thing called money. If you could, God would give it to you. If you could handle $10 million, God would give it to you right now. Because he needs people who are capable of handling this, this resource of money that actually releases glory. See, when someone sings a beautiful song like a brother, you know what it does? It starts to release glory. Whether or not they're believers, whether or not they worship God, when someone sings and it's amazing and it's excellent, it releases glory. It's just a resource that releases the glory of God. Did you know that money has also the same power to release God's glory? God is looking for people. Who can? Because his money is nothing to him. See, we worship money. And see, I used to laugh at the people of the Bible. How They worship before a gold statue. They, they worship a tree. They worship a rock. What is money made out of? Wood. And we worship it. What is gold? It's just a rock. What is diamonds? There's just rocks. We still worship trees and rocks. It hasn't changed. See, God is looking for people who will not bow before those things. But it always starts with being faithful with the little. Always starts with being faithful in the secret place. David just worshiping God and worshiping God on that side of the hill where only the sheep would listen to him. You know, I bet you there were times when David was king. And you know what? And I think think Benjamin shared this recently where he said, if you look at at President Obama, he's, he's got gray hairs now. And you look at every president from the day of inauguration until the day they leave office, they have aged like decades. It, I don't want to be president of the United States. No, I won't. You know, yes, we can. No, I won't. Right? I do not want that responsibility. But so, so many of us here are full of thinking, oh, but I could handle $10 million. How many of you here would even know how to spend $10 million? Do you even have a budget? For $10 million. I heard Pastor Benjamin say one time, I have a $100 million budget. And I was like, man, my budget is like 5000 God is looking for people with a spirit of excellence that he can entrust with. Because here's the thing. He does not want to destroy you. See, he doesn't want your talents and your gifts to take you somewhere where your character cannot keep you. See, that's why God is so obsessed with getting inside of us the character of Christ. Because when he sets you to rule, he wants to establish you there. And you're there. You never go lower. The kingdom never retreats. It only advances. You know, there's so many times in the moment when there's pressure, you know what's revealed? Your character. You know, Anna and I, we were dating. And, uh, you know, I was trying to woo her. You know, I was trying to uh, do all that magical stuff to make women fall in love with us men. And, and, um... So we're in the early stages. We're trying to get to know each other. We're not even really dating. 
But it's kind of like that awkward stage where people are like, is there something going on? No. Right? And, and, and so she had told me that um, one of her nicknames as a child was uh, Chispa. Or Chispa. Oh, I'm sorry. My Spanish, Espanol is bad. Right? Chispa. And, and so um, I remember I went home and um, we, met the, we met a couple days later. We're at a restaurant. So I was like, hey, uh, Aaron, um, what does Chispa mean? She's like, oh, you mean you didn't look it up? And now I had. Right? I'd gone home immediately after she told me the first time. I Googled it and it means spark. But when she asked me, oh, you didn't look it up? You didn't look on the internet? And immediately I said, no, I didn't. Because in that moment, right, the pressure came, and, and I just responded out of my character, which was, if I feel embarrassed, you know, a lot of people lie because two things. You're either afraid or you're ashamed. You don't just lie because you're this horrible person. You lie because you're either afraid of something, punishment maybe, or you're ashamed. And so in that moment when she said, you didn't look it up? I was, I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. You know, I was embarrassed that, yeah, you know, I don't want to look all creepy, stalkery, right? Yeah, I research, and I know where you live and went to high school. You know, I was like, <laughs> so, so when she said, you mean, she's like, you didn't look it up on the internet? I was like, no. And the, the hilarious part was like, um, actually, when, when we went on our, like, our first official date, and I told her, I was like, Aaron, you know, you know, this and that. You know, I'm interested in you. I want to take you on a real date, this and that. And after she says, like, you know, I'm interested in you too. And I was like, cool, awesome. I was like, you know what? Before we go any further, um, I got to make a confession. Um, I've already lied to you. <laughs> and she's looking at me like, we, we're not even in a relationship. I was like, I know. But I just, I just need to get this off my chest while, because I could wait till it's not embarrassing anymore and we could laugh about it. But I want to tell you right now, while, while it still it pains me. I was like, I lied to you. I, as soon as you told me uh, Chispa was like your, your, one of your pet names growing up, I went home and I Googled and I, I know it means spark. And she, she looked at me like, it was one of those looks where it's like, I don't know if you're stupid. Oh, you're sweet. You know, it's like, and so I was like, I was like, I, I'm okay with those two options because then I got a chance, right? And, and so, but what happened in that, in that moment of pressure? When you look at your, and we always go with finances because that's the easy one, but when you look at your bank account and suddenly you just have enough to pay the bills, there's that pressure of we're not paying tithes this month. There's a time I went to Aaron and I was like, babe, um, oh, I had the check for the tithe in my hand actually. And I was like, this is the tithe? And I, I confess, I was like, I really don't want to pay it. But I'm letting you know because I know you're going to make us pay it. Because <laughs> she just wants, man, I love being married to this woman. And she's like, she's like, let's honor the Lord. So I was like, okay. And since then, everything's been fine. But in that moment, man, there was a moment. And, you know, we just got married. So when you get married, you get money, right? People give you money. And um, I was like, we tithe off income. Not gifts. <laughs> you know what I'm it's, like, it's like, I'm an accountant, Lord. I didn't know I had this gift of accounting. But uh, this, is, this is not income. This is a gift. And the gifts are tax deductible in the kingdom. And so, so when we got these gifts, you know, I was like, okay, you know, cool. We're going gonna, we're gonna to tithe off our income, which is very low right now. Uh, but our gifts, oh, this is awesome. And I remember Aaron, Aaron, but I felt the conviction of, you know, we should tithe off everything. That's just what I felt. And maybe it's different for you. I remember Aaron came up to me and said, you know, babe, I really feel like we should tithe off the gifts. And I was like, all right, okay, okay. Man, it was hard, though. It was hard. But here's what I know. As I show God that, hey, this paper, this wood, these trees, yes, I will manage it well. I will manage it well. But but it's not my treasure. See, when God says, I want to give you treasures, he's not talking about millions and millions of dollars. That's nothing. I'm, there are things I can't even imagine. But one thing I do know that God treasures, and it's people. 
You know, it's not just ruling over city. When you're ruling over city, you're ruling over people. You know, government is designed to make people feel safe, to bring justice. And I know a lot of times we've experienced um, negligence in, in government or authority. But, but the righteous government brings what? brings justice. It brings safety. It establishes peace. See, when God says, I want to give you the treasures, he's talking about his people, his cities. But it starts with faithfulness. I, I would not know how to run this country. I would not ask for that. But I know God, as I continue in this intimate relationship with you, where I'm free to be excellent, Lord, I know that you will raise me to that place where I need to be. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refuse to bow. See, God is, they bring them out. The music plays. They refuse to bow. See, God is looking for this, the people who will stand when others bow. See, when the pressure of the world comes, and everyone starts to bow to that pressure. They start to bow to it. God is looking for the men and women of God who says, we will stand. We're gonna, and see, that's what begins to separate you. That's how you stand out when you stand. See, as everyone bows, they stand and they stood out. Paul says, you, you shine like stars in the universe. We are called to rise up and stand out. But because they stood up, Instead of being promoted, instead of being blessed, like Joseph being taken from Potiphar's house and thrown into prison, what happens? They get punished. See, I think a lot of times we have this idea of, God, you said you were going to promote me, but everything's getting worse. God, you said you were going to bless me if I was obedient. I gave my tithe, and now I'm struggling. Now I'm eating tuna fish, peanut butter, and jelly every day. God, I'm being faithful, but where's the blessing? It's getting harder. And what they did was they took Shadrach, they took Meshach, they took Abednego, they tied them up, and they threw them into the fire furnace. And he said, make it seven times hotter than it's ever been. And it says, even the soldiers that took them up died instantly as they threw them into the fire. But what happened? They stood. They stood. But here's what happened. What burned up? It says all the ropes, all the things that bound them, instantly vaporized and burned up. See, when God takes you into that fiery furnace, see, that there, there are things restricting us. Right? How many of you guys, when you're honest with yourself, you know you're actually more capable than what you're actually being given? You know, like, on my best day, if I, if, I, if I develop all of this talent and treasure that God has given me, I'm actually more capable than the level I'm at in my, in my company or in my community. See, there are things that are actually restricting you. There are things that are actually binding you from reaching that next step. And you know what, Pastor Sonny? I actually had a vision for, for you and Benjamin yesterday as we were praying. Um, and, and it was this. As we were praying for you guys uh, at the leaders' retreat, um, and, I, and since I had my hand on Pastor Benjamin, I saw it for him, but it was for both of you guys. And, and I was standing behind him. As his head was like, you know, just right in front of me. I was looking at his head, and I saw this little crown, like this big on his head. And it was, it was hilarious. You know, it was just a little crown on the back of his head. <laughs> and... and, and, and and, and, it, and it was like God, God was there, and I don't really know how to explain visions yet, but, but God was there, and God said, oh no, that won't do. And God took this little crown and turned around, and he got this big crown. And this crown was so big that when he put it on Benjamin, it, it hung around his neck like a, like a wreath, like a necklace. You know, but what I saw was this, Pastor Benjamin's head began to grow. His body too, so it was proportional, okay? So his, his body and his head began to grow until it fit into the crown. And I felt God saying this, the, the next crown that is coming, you can think, God, this is too much. Like what I left behind, I've overcome that. I, I, I'm bigger than that. But what's, up, but what's before me, I'm too small for that. But I felt like God saying, no, you're going to grow. See, you think, 
Do you think that you have the same talent and the same resources you did before the next assignment? But I felt God said, even your IQs were going up. As I was praying, it was almost like God was saying, if they took an IQ test uh, in a a couple months from now, it's even going to be, they're going to score higher. Uh, He's going to make you more intelligent, more creative. Your gifts of faith, your gifts of speaking, your your fight, everything's going to increase and grow as you've been faithful. And now here's the thing, when God restores, He doesn't just restore to you the things you've lost. He restores to you the things that you've never had but were yours. See, too many times we're thinking small. We're thinking low-level player. See, we're thinking, oh, God, I lost this and this, so restore this. But God's like, you don't understand. I've got all of this for you that you've never had, but it's yours. That's real restoration. See, but it's only a son or daughter with a spirit of excellence that can inherit that. So you got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refusing to bow when other people bow because they've spent their time in the secret place. They know the King of kings and Lord of lords. And see, if you don't bow before the Lord, you're going to bow before something else. And the reason why they couldn't bow before the image of gold is because they knew that they were meant to bow before God. You need to spend time bowing before God. If you don't bow before God, you're going to cower before men. You've got to bow before God. When you bow before God, it's already bowed and you can't bow to anything else. You know, there are some of us, the corporate workplace, there are things that are done that are unethical, that are not right. But it's just part of the company, the corporate culture. It's just the way things are done. You know, I was so blessed by that story that Pastor Benjamin told about the golf club, how he's looking for a wedge. And then on the golf course, he finds that wedge. Man, there's so many, it's like, that is the Lord. The Lord placed that wedge there. (laughs) Put it in your bag and, and go home. But he was like, no, it's, it belongs to somebody. He took it into the clubhouse and he tried to return it. And he says, someone left their pitching wedge out on the green. And he said, the guy said, I'm the, I didn't hear that. He said, excuse me? He said, well, someone left. He said, I didn't hear that. He says, no one turns in a pitching wedge. The rule is, if you find it, you throw it in your bag, you take it, go home. Take it home. It's yours. You know, I think maybe that's where I, maybe I would have kind of taken it. Like, like, well, well, the man in charge said, my boss said, the culture dictates See, but see, our, I love our pastor. He, he doesn't follow corporate culture. He follows the kingdom culture. And it's like, no, this, I got to return it to its rightful owner. She said, no, I'm going to leave this here and, and, and you keep it here until the rightful owner comes back. Yeah. Then he says like the next day, was it your brother? Your brother-in-law showed up at his house and he's just like, Benjamin, I, I, I just, uh, I know you like to golf. And he had like three wedges for him. Yeah. Wow. There's so many blessings. Like God is just like, like pass that because this is going to come. He was saying, don't bow to that so that I could lift you up here. Yeah. God wants to bring such restoration to this house. Yeah. So he throws them into the fire. All the things that were restricting them are instantly burned up. And the king says, Did not, do we not throw three men in there? And yet, yet I see four, and the fourth one looks like the son of the gods. This is the reward. The reward is not promotion. The reward isn't even financial breakthrough. It's not, it's not getting a $15,000 raise. So the reward is this. When you're faithful and that fire comes and you're thrown into that fire, you get to walk with Jesus. You know, there was a story, there was a story that, that I always thought was unfair. And I used to always think I was unfair. And actually, he is unfair in some ways. Because none of us should go to heaven, right? And there's a story where... It says that, is that a, 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 a man who owned a field went out into the field and, and, he, and he hired men at the beginning of the day. And then he went out again at midday. 
And then he went out again like maybe there's an hour left of working or two hours left of working. And he hired some more men. And at the end of the day, each man that had worked, men that had worked all day, half day, and just an hour lined up. And it says that man paid them each the same. And I used to think, that's so unfair. Why am I going to even try? You know, I'm going to get saved right before I die. You know, and I'm going to get the same reward. My house can be the same size as your house. You know, like that's how I used to think. And then one time I heard someone sharing on this. He said, he said, you know what the reward was? The man who started from the beginning of the day got to spend all day with the master in the field doing the work. See, when your reward is nothing of this world, when your reward is simply him, that's a sign that you have a spirit of excellence. See, and you know where that desire comes from? It comes from being faithful. It comes from being faithful. When you're faithful with the little things, God starts to grow this in desire in you just to be like, he's the reward. He's the reward. You know, they did a study on excellence and they said it, they found something, they found something across all lines of people who are excellent in whatever field. And they called it the 10,000 hour principle. They said that if you had dedicated 10,000 hours of practice to doing something, you reached a level of excellence. 10,000 hours. You know, whether it was golf or music, or movies. They, they studied people who were excellent, who rose to the top. And they found out to an average about 10,000 hours of not just being there, but practice, intentional practice, and they developed excellence. But you know what else they found? That these people loved to practice. See, some people might love making a movie, but they actually don't like making a movie. Some people might think they love singing in front of people, but they don't actually like practicing or band practice see if you want to be an excellent at something you've got to learn to enjoy the practice of it it's being faithful it's being faithful with god you know i don't care if it's a long time before i come back here and speak because i actually as i'm speaking i'm just like god just put me back on that that hill with some sheep you know, I, you know, I bet you there were times where David, when he was like Obama, or even bigger than Obama, and he's ruling over all, I bet you there were times where David was sitting on the throne, and now he's got all these worries and concerns and people complaining, and, and there, I bet you there were times where he just snuck out at night, put on some robes, slipped a harp without telling anyone, slipped out to a, to a hillside where he found some sheep, and he just sat there. You know, he said, God, this crown is too heavy. Tonight, you be king, and just let me be your shepherd boy. God, I don't want to be king today. There's all these people. There's so much ministry. There's so much need. God, I'm overwhelmed. God, can you just be king? And I'll just be your shepherd boy, and I'm just going to sing to you, God. It always goes back to that place. And that's what God is looking for. That's who God is looking for. And I believe that's the word for this house right now is be faithful. And don't be discouraged because he sees your faithfulness. Some of you guys are like, this person is getting honored and that person is getting promoted. And, and it's, it's not complaining, but, but, you, but you see it. And I feel the word of the Lord is, it doesn't matter what, he sees your faithfulness. It's like, I see your faithfulness. Do not be discouraged. Continue to be faithful. Let's pray. Father, we just come as your people, and God, we want to be faithful. I think that's the heartbeat of every person in here right now. It's, it's God, we just want to be faithful. And, and, 
There's no, there's no need to even start feeling like, oh, I've been so unfaithful. No. It's no perfectionism. Excellence allows you, excellence understands that failure is a necessary step. You're not meant to stay there, but it's a necessary step. See, we're always moving forward. You, like you accelerate, when you excel, you rise above. It actually means to jut above like a mountain peak. So there's some peaks and there's some valleys when you're looking at a mountain range. But overall, we just keep going higher and higher and higher. And God, the heartbeat right now of this house of your people is that we want to be faithful as you've been faithful to us. God, help us to see that the real treasure is you. That you're the reward. You're the reward. Our desire for a house, if we really understood it, it's to be at home with you. So us running around and trying to buy the right sofa and the right painting and, and the right carpet and the right, our desire to create this house, God, it's actually because we have this deep hunger in our hearts to be at home with you. God, show us the true nature of our desires. God, we will not bow before any other God. We will not bow before money. We will not bow before governments. We will not bow before trees or wood or rocks or anything, God. We will only bow to you. And right now, God, is a time we want to just bow to you and worship you, God. So, house, if you could just rise up, let's just go into a time of worship where we just bow before our God. Amen. I want you to lift your hands to God right now.